I'm thankful for just this day. Debbie and her team have just got everything looking so great around here. And, and even I came in today as I walked into this first service, uh, there's a group of carolers. It was just super cool. So what a great day. You know, um, this Christmas we're going to celebrate starting today. And, and I hope that you come tonight at, at 530. It's going to be just an incredible time of kind of like a family Christmas music time. And so I hope that you join us tonight at 5.30. And, and, and this Christmas, we're, it's a little bit outside of our Baptist tradition as far as uh, Advent. But we're going to celebrate Advent. And we have several things, like our, a bunch of our kids are going through these Advent blocks. And these are really neat. Uh, it kind of tells the story of, of Christ from Genesis all the way to Revelation, kind of pointing to the idea that Christ has come to dwell among us. And each week of, each Sunday morning of, of, of Christmas, we're going to turn our face to Advent. And Advent means coming. That's what it means. It means that, that there's a coming to the world. And, and you might have at your house, like we have at ours, like over here to the left here, there's, a, there's these Advent candles. And, and we have this at our, on our table but uh, this is kind of the picture of Advent historically. You have, you have the center candle, which is the Christ candle. And, uh, and kind of the tradition is the four weeks prior to Christmas, you light each candle. So like today, we're going to focus on hope. And uh, that's kind of the, the first Advent candle, hope. Then there's, and it's the idea that hope has come to the world. We're going to look at that today in Romans chapter 1. Uh, you also have the, the candle of, of peace. Next week, we'll turn our attention to the peace of Christmas. And, and you know, remember when in Luke chapter 2, when the, when the, the shepherds were out in the field, and, and, and in, in verse 14, it says, um, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. The, the shepherds got that message. It will be the focus on peace. Then there's the, the joy and in Luke 2, the, the joy has come. The, the, I bring you good news of great joy, Jesus said to the, to the shepherds. And then the last one is love, that, that candle of love. We'll focus on that. The, the, the fact that Christmas, the message of Christmas, moves us to bring goodwill to men. And that's the calling that we have. And that's what Christmas brings. And, and so, you know, I'm thankful for just this Advent season. And now, we, if you've been with us as a church this year, we've, we've done something different. We've gone through the whole Bible uh, as a church. We've read through the whole narrative of the Bible, and we're going to continue to, to look at each, um, at, at, at a passage that we've read this week. And, and actually, we're in Romans chapter 1 today. If you have your Bibles, turn there to Romans chapter 1. You haven't read this yet. Uh, this, this year, we have been preaching on a passage that we either have read or we're going to read. And this week, you'll jump into the book of Romans. And, um, and this isn't really a traditional Christmas passage, but it's a passage that we're in, and, and when I think about, that we'll read this week, and I, and I want to invite you to join with us in our reading. Um, every week, we have a, a list of passages that we're reading together. And, and, and you know, here, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Take the rest of the year and read with us. And what it'll do, it'll get you kind of in the habit of reading a daily New Testament reading. Because starting in 2024, as a church, we're going to turn our face to the Gospel of John. 
we're going to turn our face to sharing the gospel with people in our lives, and we're going to read through the New Testament this year. So if you join us from, for the rest of the year in getting into the habit of reading through the, the text, you'll read Romans 1 this week with us. And I want to invite you to kind of develop that. Now, the book of Romans that is an interesting book. It's a powerful book. When we think about the book of Romans, some of the most interesting conversions uh, through history have resulted from what God said through the book of Romans. Like if you know some of the, some Christian history, you might have heard the word, the name Augustine. Augustine was a famous theologian that, that has been in the history of the church. He lived a long time ago. Augustine was, was reading Romans 13, and that was the time that he like completely gave his life to Jesus. God spoke to him as he was reading Romans 13. There's another guy in history was reading Romans 1.17, this guy that you might have heard of named Martin Luther. Uh, he was reading that passage, and God just captivated his heart, which then spurred him to move on to this little event in history called the Protestant Reformation. It's kind of a big deal uh, in, in history. And, um, and, but it was Romans 1.17 that God used to speak to his heart. There was another guy in history in uh, John Wesley, he was a, a famous guy in the United States. He was reading the book of Romans, and, and, and God just captivated his life and, and saved him. I mean, he realized, man, I need to be saved by reading the book of Romans. And, and it, was, it was John Wesley that, that got, just got radically saved and then was the catalyst of one of the, the, the great revivals in the United States. So this week, we're going to read the book of Romans. Join with us. Jump into this with us. There's another guy, one of my favorite guys in history, a guy named John Bunyan was reading the book of Romans in jail. He was in prison for being a Christian. And then it was the book of Romans that God used in John Bunyan's life for him to write this book that I read every January. I'm already preparing to read Pilgrim's Progress this January. And, so, and it was the book of Romans that John Bunyan was reading and he got saved. Now, I realize Romans 1 is not a, a Christmas passage, but I want, you to, I want you to pay attention as we read Romans 1, 8 through 17, and I want you to just kind of pay attention to the hope that you see because the first Sunday of, of Advent is hope. And, and, and I think you see a lot of hope in Romans 1, 8 through 17 if you pay attention. Now, one of our practices, if you're visiting today, and, and I have two high school friends that are visiting today uh, for the first time. I'm so pumped to, to see them. And, uh, but um, if you're visiting today, we have a practice that when we read the Word of God, we stand in honor of God's Word. It's just a posture that says, look, this is the Word of God. And so after I read it, I'm just going to state the obvious and say, uh, this is the Word of the Lord. And I would love it if you would all respond in unison, just the obvious. Praise be to God for his word. Let's stand together and let's read Romans 1. We're starting in verse 8. It says this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, 
always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians to do the wise and to the, to, to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Now, I know this isn't a traditional Christmas passage, but I'll tell you, this is a great passage to look at, look at as we consider the start of the Christmas season and thinking about hope. You know, um, uh, this passage of Scripture, it drips with hope. Now, uh, I want you to know how cool I am, okay? So, so uh, the other day I preached at the convention, the Oklahoma Baptist Convention, and this guy comes up to me after I preached, and he says, hey, man, what you were dripping right there, I, that really, I really connected with that. And my first thought was, like, what? And, uh, and I'm so thankful for Andrew Wade. We have an incredible youth minister because he's able to interpret um, uh, younger speech to me. And I was like, thanks, man. And he was like, no, Chris, he liked that. He was saying that was good. It was dripping. That's good. And I was like, oh, Cool. Cool. And, and, and so, so I thought, hey, I want to be, I, I, I'm thankful for a youth minister that helps a 52-year-old pastor, you know, because I'm not cool anymore. But um, we used to be cool, right? We, we were cool. We used to be really cool. Um, but, but, but you know what? As I was looking at this passage, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is dripping with hope, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I just had to throw that in. But, but let's, let's think about this. Here's the first point. And I'll stop trying to be cool and stay in my lane here for a second. But, but, but you know what? Most of the time when we look at an introduction to a book, we just kind of skip over it. But I want you to notice something in this passage. The first thing I want you to see is that hope continues to impact people in a broken world. Look at verse, four, look at verse 8. I want you to look at how hope is impacting people. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. He says about, you're a church. He's writing to the Roman church, the the believers in Rome, and he says, your faith in God is proclaimed all over the place, in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 
So, so you know what you see? It, it, like, like, this is a group of people that Paul is writing to, and they are a messed up group of people that have been changed by Jesus. You know who Saul, Paul was? Paul was a messed up dude that was changed by Jesus, right? They have this in common, that they knew what it was like to be broken and knew what it was like for God to put them back together. I mean, Paul's writing this. Paul's writing the book of Romans. You remember him? Paul is the, he used to be Saul. He was the one that, that was responsible for Stephen's death. You know who Stephen is, Acts chapter 7? Stephen was the first martyr. Think about, think about Saul here, Paul. He was the one that was holding the coats, according to Acts chapter 7. He was holding everybody's coat as Stephen was killed. Then, then, then you know what happened. You know the story. Acts 9 tells his story as he was going to Damascus. A bright light shone around him. He was blinded, and he was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and, and that's when Jesus spoke to him. Saul, you're persecuting me. And then Ananias gets called in. You remember him, Ananias? I can't wait to meet him in heaven. I mean, Ananias is the man to me because here he was, Ananias, just everybody hears about Saul and he's got this decree that he can kill Christians. God speaks to Ananias and says, I want you to go talk to Saul and tell him about me. Go share the gospel with Saul. How would you like it if you're sitting with the Lord and he says, I want you to go share the gospel with the meanest guy that you know, that, that the world knows, and he just killed one of your friends. Hey, go, go man up and share the gospel with him. All right. Well, he does it. Ananias does it. Saul gets saved, transforms his life, and, and, and Saul knew what it was like to be broken. That's why Saul says in 1 Timothy that, hey, look, I'm the worst of all sinners. He knew what it was like to feel the burden of, dude, I killed your friend. I, I, I murdered your friend. I have the, I'm the guy that led to the first murder of Christians. But let's think about, I mean, Paul knew what it was like to be broken. He was, a, he was in a broken world. He was a broken man and was changed. But, but you know what? Let's think about who he's writing to. He's writing to people in Rome, believers in Rome. Let's understand the context, understand the times, right? You, you, gotta, you need to understand the audience here. I mean, let's think about Rome. Uh, uh, these are believers in Rome. Rome was a proud city. Rome was the, the capital city. I mean, it was like filled with philosophers and philosophies. I mean, that was the place to be. And here's a group of people that says, hey, we follow this Jewish guy that died. And Rome's like, we killed him. Are you kidding me? Uh, we, we can't stand Jerusalem. That had to have been the, that was the mindset of Rome. I mean, here's Rome. They, he, they, are, um, they were the top elite of society. And, and, and you got these groups of Christians, and they weren't in the elite of society. They were the poor people, the, the, or especially at this time. I mean, there were people coming to faith in Christ. But, but look, um, Christianity was not popular as Paul's writing the book of Romans. And, and, and let's think about it. Paul was a tent maker, right? I mean, we, we've heard that forever. He was like a construction worker, if you will. I mean, those are great jobs. But, but I'll tell you, this probably wasn't the elite of society 
as Paul being a tent maker. So Paul and the, the, the church at Rome were kind of these people that were like common people. But yet it's fascinating. Because even though Paul was a tent maker, the, the, even the greatest leaders of Rome go, hey, I want to hear what you're saying. What do you have to say? And you know what you're seeing in the church at Rome? You're seeing in Saul and, and Paul himself is these people that were making a huge impact because Jesus gave them hope. And, and this, is, this is the story. Look at verse 12. I think it's interesting how Paul writes, that is, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul was encouraged by the faith of the Roman church, and the Roman church was encouraged by Paul. And I'll tell you, here we are in 2023, and we too are encouraged by their faith. I want you to see the hope that is so glaring in, in the Bible. What, why were they so hopeful? We give gifts at Christmas time, right? Well, this Paul and, and the church, they had the gift of the presence of God. That's what God gives to his people. That's what transforms us is the gift of his presence. And I'll tell you, I've experienced the presence of God helping strengthen me and empower me and lift my head. And the Holy Spirit just helps me think right and gets my life right. They experience the gift of the, of the, of the promises of God. That's why we take our such time to turn our face to the Scriptures and what God has written, and what God has said. And this is why it's right for you to, to, to join with us in reading the Bible and studying the Word of God. It's why we, we learn to understand what the Bible says. The promises of God are true and right and real. They, this people, Saul, Paul, had experienced the promises of God. He experienced the presence of God. He also experienced the people of God, the gift of the people of God. He was like, look, your faith is encouraging to me. It's strengthening me. Verse 12, again, we are encouraged, mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I'll tell you what, that happened this week for me. Um, many of us in this room today, are grieving because I'm, I'm going to miss Steve Holliman. This, this week, I stood by his hospital bed, and I looked at him, and I got to say to him, Steve, I love you. And we reminisced about going to Nicaragua together. We reminisced about all his time with the... Uh, his wild women of the village that he called them, he would pick up ladies at the Baptist village and bring them to church. He was the bus driver. And we laughed. And I looked at him. I said, it's been an honor to serve the Lord by your side. You know what he said to me? He said, you know, Chris, I have spent multiple decades a dugout at a time, not just teaching boys how to play baseball, but teaching boys how to live. And he said, you know what I got to do now? I got to teach them how to die. I said, yes, sir, you're right. And you know what? He went to heaven just a few days ago. 
But you know what we've experienced? I, I'm supposed to go encourage him as his pastor. And he is strengthening my faith in Jesus. Let me tell you something. The hope of Christ is real. Don't miss that. And you see it in Paul's life. You see it in this church. There's, there's a second thing you see. Look at verse 13. And I want you to notice this, that hope brings salvation to the undeserving. This is what hope does. Salvation comes to the undeserving. Look at verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Don't, don't overlook this. This week, is, um, my, my wife and I have gotten into this really helpful habit of, uh, and discipline of praying together in the mornings. And, and she prayed something this week that just struck me. She, she prayed, Lord, thank you for including us in salvation. Because you know what? My wife is a Choctaw Indian. And I'm some sort of Irish barbarian or something, background. That's kind of where the walls came from. And, and Jesus brought hope to the undeserving. Verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. But Paul was eager to preach the gospel because no matter who you were, let's, let's put it to today, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, if you turn to Jesus, he'd save you. He'll save you. He won't turn you away. Paul experienced that. I can imagine Paul dealing with his own guilt, like, how can I be forgiven? But, but he was. Preaching to Gentiles who, if you understand the tension of the New Testament, how they're trying to figure out how Jews and Gentiles can come together and figure these things out. And, and you know, you, you think about the comparison. Paul was walking on this road to Damascus and a light shone. He was blinded by a light. I guarantee you, Paul knew John. Paul got to rub shoulders with the Apostle John. You know what we read this week? And we, 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 we're going to finish the book of John in a, in a couple days. In our reading, John 8, 12, we read this this week. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, it says. See, Peter knew what it was like to be forgiven. And I want you to recognize this message at Christmas. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That, that's the call. That's the hope of Christmas. Unto us Jesus came. He dwelt among us like our children are learning. He's gonna, he dwelt among us. 
And, and I want you to catch this. This is not in your notes, I don't think. But as before I was leaving to come down here, my office today, I just was kind of going through my notes and just wrestling through this. And, and I just wrote this. The, the Christmas story is not Santa Claus. It's real hope with real power producing real results. That's the hope at Christmas. It's real hope producing real power with real power producing real results. This is why it makes sense to, to, like I'm so thankful for Amber and Andrew's creativity for our circus that's coming up. It's such a brilliant approach as they, as they highlight the, the circus of Christmas and then bring it to a point and go, wait a minute. It's not this. It's that Jesus entered the world for you. Unto you a Savior is born. Unto you a Son is given. And, and you just see it. Hope is just filling Romans 1. Third thing, and as we kind of turn our face to wrap up today, you look at this passage, look at verse 16, because you can't help but see how hope calls us to this supernatural task. Man, hope is a calling. It's a calling to action, this supernatural task. He says this, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed for, from faith for faith. It is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And, and as you look at this passage, you see that interesting thing to the Jew first and then for the Gentile. This doesn't mean that the Jews are better than the Gentiles. It points to the fact that salvation has come from the Jews. Now, we read that this week. I, I think that uh, when you think about Acts 9.3, no, no, excuse me. Uh, I wrote it down. Let me find this passage. Salvation, it comes from the Jews. The message of the Bible is from the Jews. And, and Jesus came as this promise of the, of the prophets, and he, and he came into the world in this miraculous way that Christ was born of a virgin. It's a miracle. I can't explain that to you biologically or, or intellectually even. Jesus was born of a virgin. It was a miracle. And then he lived this life that had power. Everyone that, taught it, that heard him teach said, who are you? You have power when you teach. Well, he was God in the flesh. And then, and then he, he died. He died on a cross. And, and that's puzzling because it seems like he, he was defeated. But then three days later, oh my goodness, three days later, he rose from the dead. Who's done that? No one has done that through history. That's why C.S. Lewis is right when he says that following Jesus must not be mildly important to anyone. And if, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then, then he has to be Lord of all. It's why we've got to get through the clutter of Christmas and recognize that, that it's John 4.22 is what we read this week. And, and it says this, that you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know. That was that moment with the woman at the well. Remember that? 
the woman at the well comes to Jesus in, in John 4 and says, look, you worship, we worship what we know. Salvation is from the Jews. And I want you to recognize that our faith in Christ brings us a real hope. And it's real. Now, I don't want to make you mad today. Some of you, forgive me. But hope in the Bible is different than hope in English. Like, we all wanted OSU to win yesterday, right? Because if you're a true OU fan, you can't, it's ungodly to cheer for Texas ever. And so you want Texas to lose every time, right, Ray? Come on. Even when we have to cheer for our brother, younger brother, little brother. So just kidding. Anna, come on, be gracious. But sometimes when we hear the word hope, we think like that. Because I hoped that OSU would win, but they didn't. They did not play very good. That's right. But can I tell you, when the Bible speaks of hope, it's Hebrews 11, verse 1, that says hope is being sure that faith, faith in Christ, let me get it right, faith in Christ is being sure of what we hope for and certain about what we cannot see. So when, you, when it comes to our faith in Christ, it is certain. Don't mistake this, this important message of hope at Christmas thinking in English. You've got to think biblically. You have to think through the revelation of God that, that our hope is certain. So it is right to look Steve Holloman in the eye like I did on Monday and said, hey man, well done. The day you draw your last breath, Steve, I sat and looked him right in the eye. The day you draw your last breath, let me tell you something, God's promises are real. You can trust him. And as his pastor, I sat and looked him in the eye and said, let's just look at, at John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, Jesus said, I would have told you. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And let me tell you something, just a few days ago, he walked into that home. Can I ask you a question? Steve looked at me. He said, Chris, I'm ready. I'm ready. I said, okay. Are you? Are you ready? You might say, well, Chris, how, how can I, how can you know? Well, let me tell you something. The Bible was written so that you can know how to have eternal life. And it's not by your works. It's not by you doing better. Paul and these people in Romans chapter 1, 
They knew, look, it's not about me getting be- doing better. It's about me trusting in the Savior who came, who went to the cross, who died a substitutionary death, who gloriously rose from the dead, and who has left his Holy Spirit right now, speaking, continuing to change lives. You know, we're to learn from a a faith of a child. Emery called me and said, she's sitting right over here. She just got baptized a few minutes ago. He said, Pastor Chris, I want you to know something. The, the night she got saved, she calls me and, Pastor Chris, I want you to know, she FaceTimed me. I want you to know I got saved today. And I'm going to be baptized. Will you come? Yes, ma'am. I, I, I came today. You know that she came to Jesus just like she was. With a childlike faith, Lord, I trust you. You come to Jesus that way, he'll save you. Are you ready? You know, we're going to have an invitation, and we're going to have people around the room that will pray with you and that will help you. Do you know that our church is in your life for a reason? And if you're one of our prayer team, I want you to go around the room. Would you do that right now? You'll see them. They're around, and there's men and women that are around there that will just pray with you. You don't have to come to the front. You can go to the back or the sides. And but, but you know what? I pray that Christmas for you is not like Santa Claus. And that you catch that this is real hope giving you real power, producing real results in your life. This is the message the world needs to hear. It's the message we need to remember. Would you allow the Lord to move you today? Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Maybe maybe you need to get right with the Lord. Maybe you're not ready and you're saying, Chris, you've just, you just flipped me out because I'm not ready. Hey, listen to that. That's not me. That's God's voice saying, hey, be ready. That's God's voice. Don't, don't push that away. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, as we stand today, as we prepare to respond today, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how the the Christmas story is evident all through the scriptures. The impact of your coming has impacted us. And Father, we recognize that Advent speaks to a second coming. We know you're coming back, and I pray that your Holy Spirit move right now in this room draw us to yourself. 
And may we be ready for the moment that we meet you face to face, whether it's you coming at a trumpet sound or you calling us home. Would you help every one of us in this room or online walk out of here and finish this moment ready to meet you face to face? Thank you for Steve Holloman. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen.